All right, so let's have a show of hands, because everybody needs to wake up this morning, because it's, it's uh, summer, right? Okay, show of hands. How many people never got any trophies in sports? How many people never got any trophies in sports? There's a bunch of people lying in here today. Other, okay, let's try this again. <clears throat> How many people got in a trophy in sports other than participation trophies? Do, do people just not want to vote? Is that what it? Okay. So, I'm just jumping out. I'm just jumping out of this illustration because it's not working. Um, just bailing. Just hitting the eject button, okay? Here's the thing. You all got a trophy. You excited? You get a trophy. You get a trophy. You get, everybody good? Okay. You know why you want a trophy? Because you're awesome, okay? And you know why you're awesome? Because you're part of .005% of all Assembly of God churches in the United States that have planted a church in the third generation. You're like, what does that mean? Most of you, some of you may know we are a church plant. We were planted by a church from Abilene, Texas, and we have planted churches. Uh, the church we were recognized for planting was the Spanish church, Iglesia de Esperanza, which means right after this service, okay? If my Spanish was not good, uh, mucho sorry. I don't remember. No, no, <laughs> I tried to remember the word for sorry, but... I, what, anybody want to help me? What, what's sorry? What? Lo siento. Whatever. You get it. Me, me es muy loco. Okay? Um, that's all I got. Or donde esta la baña? That's all I got. Or baño. <laughs> Don't want to go to the baño. <laughs> Might be some issues. Okay? That's why I know what I asked for. It was an accident. Anyway. So, you guys, uh, this last week was our North Texas District Council uh, every, every once, the first full week of June, we have North Texas District Council, and we meet together, and on Tuesday night is the Missions and Church Planting Banquet, and you as a church received an award for planting a church in the third generation. Are you excited? you proud of yourself? All right. And so, um, it's really cool, and, and I want us to celebrate this, and, I, and I'm not a good celebrator. You can ask my wife. I, I don't like to celebrate. I like to, I'm a goal person. So once I, once I obtain a goal, what's, I'm just going, what's my next goal, okay? Let's just keep going. And so I want us to celebrate, but I don't want us to get looking in the past. Because we planted churches, that off, that's awesome, but there's more to do. And there's more for us to do, and there's more churches to plant, and I want us to keep pressing forward to that. And you know, what is the biggest obstacle between us planting more churches? You, you want to ask me that question? Ask me that question. Somebody, somebody answered the question instead of asking the question because they're not listening. <laughs> Kyle, money. Money. I've got a water bottle this time to throw if I need to. Just set it right there. Uh, <laughs> money. Unfortunately, money is the biggest obstacle that we have in planting more churches. But here's, here's the good news. We have all the money we could ever need. Here's the bad news. It's in your pocketbook. You'll get that when you get home. Anyway, we have all the money we could ever need. It's just in your pocketbook. And the Lord has to prepare your heart to give it towards the furtherance of his kingdom. And so my question for you today is very simple. Are you ready to invest in what God has next? You have already. Your money, if you're giving, if you're a tithing member and you give every week in the offering or when you get paid, you have already 
done your job and we've planted a church. Now the question is, can we do it again? And again, and again, and again, as the Lord wills. And so, in just a minute, I'm going to give way the, the general presbyter, which is the president of AGUSA, congratulates you. And so I wanted to show you that video, and I think it's worth it. Uh, our, our church planning initiative in our district is called Target 1000. I wore that shirt today. It's called Target 1000 because we want to plant 1,000 healthy churches. And you've been a part of that. You've been a part of planting churches. We're up to, uh, I believe, 640 churches and so we got more to go, and there's more to do. But my question for you today is, would you consider investing into what God has? There's a few ways you can give. You've got offering envelopes there in the, in the, on the chairs in front of you. We also have text to give. They'll throw that graphic up there. Text to give is not, not working. Maybe it's not working for you. It worked for me just a minute ago. Okay. Anybody else have trouble with text to give? Maybe it's just you. I'll help you after service. Holler at me. I already gave you a check. Well, I need to make sure it's fixed for you too, but we'll get it later. Uh, So you you can text to give that way as well. So in just a minute, Justin's going to come up and pray for our offering, but let's hear from our general presbyter first. Congratulations, North Texas, on another outstanding year of church planning and really the beginning of church multiplication. Can I just tell you from the national perspective, church planting is a lifeline to the ongoing growth and health of our fellowship. First of all, it's my conviction that the uh, church is the primary instrument that God is using to establish His kingdom here on earth. And statistics show us that the most effective long-term form of evangelization is church planning. And I noticed that the last couple of years, you have been at the very top of opening more churches than any other district in our fellowship And we salute you and we thank the Lord for all that you've done. But I know that the real heroes of church planting are the local pastors who send a staff member to plant a church or provided people and resources. So I want to thank you, the planter, but also you, the sending congregation um, and sending pastor for allowing this to happen. Now, I know it's the heart and the vision of your leadership to reach a goal of one thousand healthy churches. And in order to accomplish that, there is a mindset shift that needs to take place. It's moving from addition to multiplication. It's doing exactly what two local churches have done already in your district. They are Hope Church, Pastor Chuck and Barb. I want to thank you for going beyond addition and moving into that realm of multiplication where now a life-giving Hispanic church was planted out of the plant that you uh, sent out. Then there's Thousand Hills Church with Pastor Jeff and Sherry Williams and and planting the foundry. And then that church plants Bridgepoint Church. You know, that's that's what we are hoping will happen in our fellowship across this land, that multiplication, churches, planting churches, and the churches that get planting continue that planting. I know multiplication is what it's going to take for North Texas to reach that monumental goal of 1,000 healthy churches. So we honor you. We honor the entire group tonight for uh, your outstanding contribution to building the kingdom of God through church planting. We salute you and thank you for your tireless and sacrificial efforts.
as our ushers come and receive the offering. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray as people give, God, I just pray that they know what they're really doing. It's for, it's for souls to be changed, God. I pray that you just abundantly bless them, that they know what they're doing is to change lives. Giving money is hard, and I pray that they, that they would just, if they haven't started yet, I just pray that they start and they just see how blessed they will truly be. We thank you, God. We thank you for your blessings and thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Doctor, is Peter healthy? My goodness, you'll be dead within a month. What? Oh, Hagar the Horrible, if you keep up that lifestyle of pillaging and giant turkey legs, you'll be dead within a month. Now, on to you. So, what do you think? Pretty healthy, eh? Well, Mr. Griffin, let's take a look at your physical results. Ah! <gasps> There's a spider in here! Now, here we go. Mr. Griffin, you're going to expire in a month. <gasps> this is your driver's license, isn't it? Now, unfortunately, I'm afraid you're going to die. <gasps> When you watch these Dean Martin celebrity roasts... Will you just tell us how Peter's health is? Uh, Mr. Griffin, I'm not quite sure how to say this. Kim Bassinger? Ba Basinger? Ba Basinger? Basinger? Oh. But now, on to the cancer. Oh, my God. You are a cancer, right? You were born in July? Now, on to these test results. My, they're much worse than I thought. Oh. My son got a D-minus on his history test. Now, Mr. Griffin, that liver's got to come out. What? It's been in the microwave for three minutes. It'll get dry. Now. Please. Please. We can't take any more shtick. Please just tell us, is Peter healthy? Oh, yeah, he's fine. He's just really fat. How many people love going to the doctor by show of hands? No one. No one. You'll, you won't very long, I promise. Because here's the problem. Usually... That's exactly what I hear. Listen, you're too fat. Am I the only one that ever hears that? Yeah, I guess it's just me. Uh, you're, you're too fat. He's like, if you lose 30 or 40 more pounds, you'd be so healthy. I'm like, yeah, but doctor, I love chicken fried steak so much. That's the problem. That's the problem. But, but why is it important to go to the doctor? It's important to go to the doctor because occasionally... We need a health check. Occasionally, you need your blood pressure taken. Occasionally, you need some things to be tested. Uh, for, for instance, if your blood pressure is high, what happens? This is group participation. If your blood pressure is high, what happens? You can, you can have a stroke. You can have a heart attack. And it will eventually lead to death. Same way, they take your blood to figure out uh, if your triglycerides are high or if your cholesterol is high. Why? Because eventually if that stuff goes unchecked, it'll clog your arteries, leading to a heart attack, leading to death. And so it's important to go to the doctor. Why? Not because we're, we're sick. And sometimes we go to the doctor because we are sick. But it's important for us to have regular checkups to prevent things from happening that can be catastrophic. If you catch things early, it keeps you from dying an early death. And so my argument for you today is the same is true with us spiritually. Occasionally, we need spiritual checkups. And if we don't do occasional spiritual checkups, that will lead to spiritual death or can lead to spiritual death. Because here's the thing, if we have 
some things that are out of whack. If we catch them early, they will not blow up into bad things that destroy us spiritually. Because a selfish heart left unchecked can ruin your life. A wandering eye left unchecked can ruin your marriage. But guys, gals, if we will do occasional spiritual checkups with Jesus, we'll do better. Now, the funny thing is, is is it's recommended that you do weekly spiritual checkups. It's called church. And so we go our six days a week, and we need that seventh day to get our booties in these seats to realize we're not as good as we thought we were. we got to get our heart aligned and maybe live for Jesus better this week. That's what church is here to do. It's here to smack you upside the head and set you straight. And so we have to perform occasional spiritual checkups on our lives to catch issues before they can destroy us. And let me tell you, little things can become big things quickly and knock you off that path that God has called you to live. So today, what we're talking about is a three-question status check. Today is a three-question status check. If you'll ask yourself these three questions and answer them honestly, I think you'll find exactly where you are on your walk with Jesus today. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 27. We're walking through our stories with Luke series throughout the summer. Basically, we're just walking verse by verse by verse. So if you want to jump ahead and see, you can. If you haven't already jumped ahead, I'm going to give you a thing. We're giving away grills on Father's Day, and we're talking about fasting. Great combination. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so I looked at that, and I go, really? Really? I'm giving away a grill, and we're talking about fasting. Okay, Lord, you've got an idea for this. So I'm just believing it's going to be good. Uh, I haven't written that message yet, but I know it's going to be good. So if you're a father, make sure you come next week. We've got uh, a grill to give away each service. Uh, Every dad gets a ticket, and you get a ticket for every child that is present with you. And you also get a ticket for every first-time guest that you bring. And I know what you're saying. You type A people are like, what if I bring 50 guests? Do I get 50 tickets? Yes, you get 50 tickets. If you want to will your way to victory with the grill, you can bring as much people as you want. I'm fine with it. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, and we will, we will draw at the end of every service, and you can wheel that booger home with you. You can just attach it to the back of your car and drive it home. It's on wheels, okay? It's amazing. So if you're there in Luke chapter 5, let's begin in verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me and leave everything. And he rose and followed him. So how much, first question, how much are you willing to follow Jesus? How much are you willing to follow Jesus? Now, Levi was a tax collector. Tax collectors were the most wealthy people in the land. You're like, why are they wealthy? Because they worked for the Roman government. The Roman government required them to give a certain number in taxes, but they were not regulated. So that means that they did not regulate to the tax collector how much he charged. The tax collector could charge you whatever he wanted and then give Rome what they needed and put the rest in his pocket. So you see that they had a tendency to charge whatever they want to pad their pockets a little bit. Now, 
No one loves tax collectors. In fact, as show of hands, this is just Interactive Sunday, how many people love the IRS? No one, okay. How many people get a letter from the IRS and go, it's good news! Woo! Right? No one. I get a letter from IRS, I'm like, oh, crap, what'd I do? What'd I do this time? And that's the way it is. The IRS is not something that, that brings joy to our heart. And the same was true back then. But Levi, Levi was dangerous. Why was Levi dangerous? Because he was a sinner. Levi was dangerous because he was a sinner. Jesus came and saved people that were sinners. Why are sinners so dangerous? Have you ever been been with someone that just recently received Jesus, had a dramatic conversion, they were, they were a sinner just down as low as you can get and received Jesus, and then, then they just, they're like, that's all they can talk about. They just love Jesus. And then us, Christians who follow Jesus our whole life, are just, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. We're not dangerous. You're boring. Amen, Mo? <laughs> We're boring because we get in a rut. We get in a rut of the same things over and over and over, and we lose that fire and passion. So Jesus went to the people that had the fire and passion. But what's the cost of following Jesus? The cost is everything. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, pastor, you say give up everything, but you've never done everything. You would be wrong. In 2009, in May, I married the most beautiful woman in the world. Then we traveled to the most beautiful city there ever was, Midland, Texas. (laughs) Any testimonies tonight? No one. Okay. Huh? It's a good stop. It ain't nothing there. Uh, Well, there is a lot of things. There just nothing good. Anyway, um, so my wife and I moved to Midland, Texas. We we both had full-time jobs, uh, and, and we were making decent money for for first year married people i mean i've seen some of the slums that first year married people live but they love each other we just have love right but we were okay uh we were doing all right but then god came to us and said i want you to sell everything now thankfully he came to my wife first otherwise it would have gone bad because let's face it ladies one thing that you love is you love security you, you like having your house. You like knowing that, that you can pay for it. And, and if something is not taken care of, it brings angst and stress, right? So if God was going to ask us to give everything, who's the right person for him to go to first? Her. Praise Jesus. <laughs> and we began to talk. We said, you know what? There's this church in Cleburne. Our friend, Pastor JJ and Brandy, are meeting at a cottage of a church member. There's about... 10 to 20 people there, they need our help. Mind you, both full-time jobs. I was working at a church that could support a full-time worship pastor. And we just said, we're going to sell our house. We were renting, so we were going to give it back. We were at the end of our lease. We're going to quit both of our jobs, move to Cleburne with no jobs and no house. What could go wrong? And the answer to that question is nothing went wrong. 
you sit in what went right. But what you didn't see is you saw the struggle that Crystal and I had to go through. The cost of giving up everything was you. But we had to struggle to get to this point. As I was going and working on my master's degree, uh, and my wife was pregnant, about to have our first child, I was working at a post office and delivering pizzas at night. Let me guess, dream job, bachelor's degree. I had my bachelor's degree at the time, working on my master's degree. Everyone dreams of working at a postal store and delivering pizzas, both at the same time, while working full-time at a church and having a pregnant wife and working on your master's degree. It was the most awesome period of my life. I was never home. (laughs) My wife was always like, when are you going to come home? I'll come home with pizza, baby. (laughs) That always makes a pregnant woman happy. Anyway, um, that's the thing. That's that's the one thing. And can I be real with you real quick? There's been been people that have gone on and blessed other churches that that have said of me, all that pastor cares about is money. Fast forward back seven years ago. I couldn't, I couldn't like money because there was none to be had. There was nothing for us to have. We gave everything for you. Now, obviously, you're here. We consider this the good days of Hope Church. I think there's better days to come. We're building a building. We're growing. We're moving forward. But it took that sacrifice to get to where we are today. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to look, at, look on us with pity. We did it because it's what the Lord asked us to do. But what is the Lord asking you to do? Will you sacrifice with me and us as much as we sacrifice for what God has called you to do? Because that's the kind of sacrifice that Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for your halfway Sunday morning for an hour only sacrifice. He's looking for everything. We'll get fired up. <clears throat> I just feel like I'm getting fired up. It's going to be a good day. Let's just move on before I get in too much trouble. Uh, Luke five twenty nine, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. If you read it in the passage translation, it says, Levi wanted to throw a banquet to honor Jesus. So the second question I have for you is, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about money. It's just a saying. Are you willing to put your actions where your mouth is? Are you willing to put up or shut up? Levi was a great man. He had great influence in the community. So what did he do? He leveraged that influence so that Jesus could have a bigger platform. He brought all his friends together so that Jesus could have a bigger platform, so that Jesus' ministry could be pressed forward. That's the thing. Following Jesus means you get to use all of your talents for him and don't get any credit. That's following Jesus. One of the biggest gripes that I had as a staff pastor was usually the lead pastor gets all the credit. Now, I try to be different. I try to give, when our staff pastors have an awesome idea, I try to give them credit for it as much as I can. And if I forget, I pray they have mercy upon me and and have forgiveness in their heart. But 
I've made a lot of lead pastors look good with the great ideas that God gave me, but it never bothered me. Why? Because it's all about Jesus anyway. You know, Hope Church is great, but one day I'm going to die. And it's got to keep going. And the reason it will keep going is because this is God's church, not my church. And it's not about me. It's not about what I do. It's about what God wants. And so Jesus wants you to leverage all of your talents, all of your resources and influence you have for his glory and receive no recognition because ultimately it is not about you. That's the lovey, touchy-feely quote of today that you can put on Facebook. Just say, listen, Facebook, it's not about you. Even on a social media platform that it is all about you, it's all not, none of it's about you. It's about Jesus. We are called to give our lives for him. Give everything for him because ultimately everything comes from him. The talents you have are because he gave them to you. The talents that you haven't yet discovered were given to you before the foundation of the world. You can see verses, and one of my favorite verses is the opening verses of Jeremiah. He's talking about, I've given you everything that you need because I've called you. Just go do it. So what God is saying to you today is, are you willing to leverage everything you have for Jesus? That takes me to my third point. So let's read Luke 5. Verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his, at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered him, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. Why did he not come for the righteous? And he's being, I think he's being a little sarcastic when he says the righteous. Righteous people think they have it all together and think they don't need Jesus. Jesus didn't come for you. You know why? Because you wouldn't listen to him anyway. If you're righteous and you think it ha- you have it all together, you're not going to listen to Jesus anyway because I'm smart. I don't need anything else. But he came for the sinner. Why? Because the sinner listens. The sinner is humble enough to know that they need a savior. And so the third question I have for you is, are you in need of a doctor? Everyone in this room's answer to this question should be yes. If it's not yes, you are a Pharisee and you need to check your heart and you need a doctor more than you ever know. Don't get me started. Let me go to my cups. Here's us. We are cups. Everyone see that they are the same cups. They are identical. I will put one away. I'm just kidding. I've always wanted to be a magician, but you know, whatever. They're identical cups. And here's the thing. Before the foundation of the world, God made us male and female. He made us together. And we are image bearers in his image. We are all made the same. But then there was a problem. What happened? Sin entered into our lives. Dang it. It happened again. The first cup broke in the second service and the second one doesn't. (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) It's hard to test this because you only want to go through so many cups. Anyway, same cup. But when sin entered in, what happened? 
they broke differently. They didn't break the same. The problem is we expect as Christians, we expect everyone to be broken in the same ways that we want them to be broken. We don't want them to be broken differently than us because we don't understand you. But here's the thing. We need to not focus on the brokenness, but focus on the heart of the matter. Because sin is not the issue. Sin is just a result of a broken heart. And so, guys, Jesus made us all the same. But when sin comes in, we break a little differently. So don't expect everyone to be broken the same way that you are. But here's the cool thing. We're all broken cups. We know what we're supposed to be so we can come together and work together to one day be a nice-looking cup. Maybe. One day. But the problem is, when we glue these back together, which we're not, because there's a lot of pieces in there, when we glue these back together, there's still going to be cracks. We're never going to be completely whole until we meet Jesus. But we've got to work together on our brokenness. That's the joy of the church. The church is the hope of the world. Why? Because we fix broken people. We fix broken cups through the power of Jesus. And so we are the hospital. Put that in there. We are the hospital for the broken. That's why church is so important. And everybody, I hate, please don't walk up to me and say, Pastor, I had church at home. I, will, I have to hold the, my urge to not punch you in the face. Because um, I'm a broken cup too. Guys, the joy of the church, the reason we come into this place and worship. You can worship God on your own. Yes, you can. But the joy of this place is we are all broken cups. And we're broken together. And we can love each other to make each other whole. That's why the church is the hope of the world. And so, church, stop focusing on the brokenness. Stop focusing on the sin and focus on what's in their heart that needs to be fixed. Because allow Jesus to fix their heart and the sin will follow, I promise. Sin is just a result of a broken, fractured heart. And there's glass up here. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Because I broke cups. That's why it happened. (laughs) And so, what our heart requires is redemption. Our heart requires provision. It provides comfort. It needs provision. All four of those things can be had in the church. So the the church is the vehicle of Jesus to take the broken pieces of our life and make us whole again. So what does this mean for us? If you're new here at Hope Church, I always try to end each message with some questions to challenge you throughout your week. The broken cups were not challenging enough. I have sharp cups up here. We can challenge you even more. I'm just kidding. Um, Somebody in the second service said, when you were holding the broken cups, he was like, I was scared because I didn't know what you were going to do with them. I'm like, calm down. Stop being so worried about it. I'm not a violent person. You hope. (laughs) First question I have for you is this. Are you sick? Are you sick? Do you need a doctor? And don't sing that song, I don't need no doctor. Because you do need a doctor. The answer to are you sick for everyone in this room is yes, we are sick. 
And yes, we need a doctor. That's why we come to the hospital once a week. If you don't, if you refuse to come to the hospital, don't be surprised when your life falls apart. There's so many people that are like, Pastor, my life's falling apart. I know, they always go, I know I hadn't been to church in a while. But my life is falling apart. And I'm like, well, you just fix, you just told me what the problem was. Why do you need me? And why are you bugging me at four in the morning? Why don't you try step one, which you already figured out, and let's go from there. Now, am I saying that if you're in church, you won't receive problems? I'm not saying that. But when you do face problems, you don't have to face them alone. You've got an army of people that are sitting next to you. And trust me, as your pastor, I will fight for you in heaven, spiritually, as hard as I can. There's people that call me and ask me to pray for them all the time. I take that as an honor, and I want to pray for you. And what I love to see is every time we pray for one another, things happen. Lives are changed. But if we can't do that by ourselves, we need a hospital. My wife is a nurse. I think I have medical knowledge because I watch Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) And I was a huge fan, fan of House. But here's the problem. I need her expertise. I need the doctor's expertise. And I can't. I can't watch TV and the doctor's expertise rub off on me, even if I watch Dr. Phil. (laughs) I need Jesus. I got to be in his presence with his people to be healed. Number two, the second question before I come up with another television show. Is there pride in your life that you need to let go? The number one issue, the number one issue as a follower of Christ is pride. Pride and selfishness, I believe the two are hand in hand. Pride is thinking that you are more important than everyone else around you. But here's the thing. Jesus humbled himself, made himself the least important of all, and gave his life for you so that one day you could be with him. The ultimate act of unselfishness. So if you as a follower of Christ ever feel like you're being selfish, that's not of God. God wants your focus always to be on others. Now, sometimes I know the fight is real. Sometimes I have to, 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 to pull and, and, and give, and, and I hope you guys are, are patient with me because my struggle is this. I love you guys so much that sometimes I have to pull myself away because my family needs me too. And I have to fight for that and fight for that time too. That's why we went away, away on vacation. My parents, my parents, my, my children got a week with me. Joy of their life, I'm sure. <laughs> On a cruise ship. Uh, and it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, but, but you know what? There was still that angst. You know, I missed you guys, but there was still that angst in me. Sitting on a cruise ship going, I got sermons to preach. I got people to help. But you know what? I had to live in the moment. My family needs me too. So you, I'm saying... Jesus needs you, but you still need priorities. Jesus wants you to have priorities as well. I don't know why that was in there. That's for somebody because that wasn't in the first service. The third, is there something that is broken in you today that you need Jesus to heal? Is there something that's broken in you today that you need Jesus to heal? As the band comes back, I want you to ask God this question. 
psychologists say that the reason we never change is we try to change too many things at once. You cannot possibly change more than one habit at a time. It's just hard. Unless Jesus comes into your life and just wrecks you, you're probably only going to be able to fix one thing a week. Maybe maybe two or three things a month. And so what I'm saying to you today is I want you to ask Jesus, what's the one thing I need to fix? This week, Jesus, what's the one thing I need to focus on? Now, if you hear pride, selfishness, I would focus on that one first. Because if you can live a life of humility, if you can live a life with others as your focus, that's how Jesus lived his whole life. So we first got to start there. Maybe, maybe you've got what I talked about earlier. Maybe you've got a wandering eye. Maybe you need to, uh, you've got some substances that you like a little more than you probably need to. Maybe if you're like me, you like food a little more than you need to. Maybe God is speaking to you and saying, hey, I've called you to something. And you've ran away this whole time. But I'm ready for you to give up everything so that I can give you everything. Because guys, you heard our story. We gave up everything. We gave up our house. We gave up our jobs. We gave up living in Midland. Not so much of a sacrifice. (laughs) But we gave it so that one day we could stand before you. Six years later, you see it. But six years ago, this did not seem like much of that reality. And I'm here to tell you, if you will truly give God everything, he will give you more than you could have ever imagined. If you'd have told me six years ago, Pastor, you'd, you'd be sitting pastoring a church. You're, you're looking to consistently break the 300 barrier. You're building for the, for the, you've got the third building project that you're on. And God's doing great things. He's changing lives. He's healing people. He's fixing broken marriages. People are getting saved. People are getting set free. If you told me that six years ago, I'd go, you crazy. I'm just going to be happy to have 30 people in service. God's plans, the outcomes are always bigger than what we could have ever dreamed. So when you got, when you give God everything, He'll give you everything in return and sometimes even more. So today, ask God, what's the one thing you need to give up so that He can give you everything? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you today. Lord, I thank you that I've been able to live this out in my life. Crystal and I gave up everything for these great people here. Lord, it's something that I'd like to think that we would do again. You know, thankfully you haven't asked us to do that, Lord, but today we stand and we're seeing the fruit of our sacrifice. And Lord, I pray today that as we sit here, that, that everyone in this room, that you're calling to do that one thing, Lord, I pray that they would finally give that one thing over to you. They would quit trying to do all these things themselves and truly give their whole life over to you. So Lord, I pray for that one thing that we need to fix today. I pray for that one thing that is broken that needs to be healed. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to take care of that before we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray.